This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus reward registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Another edition of Forever Bristol City podcast. It's a joyous uh, podcast because at uh, the Swansea.com stadium in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff game, it finished Swansea City 1, Bristol City 2. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Ian and Mark, a couple of regulars, and uh, Les, who's uh, been on uh, several times over the time we've been doing the podcast. But uh, gentlemen, as I normally do, let me just have a quick 30 seconds, no more than that, Initial thoughts coming away from the game. You first, Mark. Um, a fantastic away win for City uh, in a game where they they revelled in the space but pressed Swansea brilliantly, where Joe Williams monstered uh, in midfield uh, and had his best game in a City shirt and Mark Sykes uh, had one exquisite finish and an assist. Uh, 2-1, didn't do City justice. Uh, they were far better than Swansea, and it's another three points on the road. Yeah. Ian, your uh, brief summary? Positives, three points, great away following, two good goals. I think the referee, I know he's had a lot of stick, but I think the referee got the three disallowed goals absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and he also didn't give a penalty against us when he should. When he should, but perhaps we should have got one when Sykes got pushed in the back. So that sort of thing evens itself out. But you can't be anything but delighted with our away form. Excellent. And Les, your uh, your thoughts uh, coming away from uh, 90 minutes action? Uh, I thought we were the better side against a pretty poor team who are clearly going through a period of transition. I think, you know, under Pearson away from home, we have played this kind of exciting counter-attack in football. Um, and because Swansea play quite open, we were able to get through them. And, you know, it was 2-1. It could have been more. Uh, the key for us is translating that form for our home games. Um, that's going to be, I think, the determining factor as to whether we get into the playoffs or not. 
but if you want to get in the playoffs, you need to win games that you dominate. And uh, we did that today, so you can't really ask for much more. No, that's absolutely right. Um, Mark, the team lineup, uh, we were saying just before we started going live, it sort of picks itself now, really. And the only conundrum, what is it, conundrum? You know, do you keep Naismith in the back four, you know, or push him in the midfield? Then who do you leave out? Uh, obviously, Dickie was available. What did you think when that lineup was announced? Pretty predictable? Um, yeah, I think I was surprised that he, he dropped Dickie to the bench. Um, but if you saw how easily he was turned by Plaquetta uh, for Norwich's goal uh, the other night, then maybe he had that on his mind. And of course, you've got the passing ability distribution of Cal Naismith, uh, which is unquestionable. So, yeah, I think that that aside, that was the strongest team we, we could put out. Uh, yeah. You know, injuries aside. Yeah. Ian, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, uh, the bench... It was um, only uh, eight men on there. Um, you know, it seems as though the young defenders are, uh, uh, you know, not being included in the match day squad. But what did you think of the, the lineup? Taylor, Taylor Gardner, Hickman. God, that sounds a mouthful, isn't it? He came in uh, uh, for his first start. But what, what did you think when you saw that lineup announced? It was approximately what I expected him to do after what he said about the right right hand side of our defence against uh, Norwich midweek. Um, I think he was, it, I, I would have predicted that he brought TGH in. Uh, from what I can I saw of him, yes, he can play there, but we're back into that discussion about who can play somewhere and what their best position is. Now, for me, Naismith's best position is in midfield, that role in front of the back four, because that, on occasions, allows him to make a bit of a rick and he's got someone to slam the door behind him. Um, I don't think he was absolutely at fault for their goal because we gave the ball away too deep and badly in midfield. And it was a nice pass from the kid and a nice run from the forward. Um, and Naismith, he would say himself, isn't the quickest. But then again, neither is Rob Dickey. So I think it's an ongoing uh, I'll call it a debate, not an argument, because it isn't. You know, do you play Dickie and Viner? Do you put Naismith in there? Uh, Les has alluded to us needing to perform at home. And we've played three championship teams at Ashton Gate. We've scored one goal and conceded three. Um, four, sorry. And uh, that's what we need to do now. We need to translate that. And the biggest thing that I think is that if you look at the possession we've had when we've won and the possession we've had when we've lost, it's far greater when we lose. And that's been the same for the last three years. So it, it's a deeper discussion than what well, we, how do we get the best out of the same 11? What you might have to do is a bit of a Pep Guardiola and leave someone out who's played really well to get the shape tactically right to beat the team that you're playing. Mm. Okay, Les, uh, what what does the, you know, as Ian said, pushing Naismith into the middle, it is going to be a conundrum in four months' time when Atkinson gets, uh, gets fit. But, you know, do you think Naismith is best in the middle? Well, he'll pick it on form. So just because Atkinson's fit, if we're playing well, he's not just going to put him in the team. That's yeah. one thing Pearson's been pretty consistent about. He's dropped people 
always giving people chances, even if they aren't necessarily the fans' first choice on paper. I mean, the team was what I thought it would be. The only question was, would Naismith play at centre-back or centre-midfield? If he plays in centre-midfield, Joe Williams drops out. Uh, and if he plays centre-back, Dickey drops out. Yeah. And it just so happened he decided to drop Dickey. I mean, Joe Williams had a very good game, so it was the right decision in the end. Yeah, he did. Uh, he did have but, a good game today. Yeah. I mean, I said it before that Naismith does have a ricket at him, and I don't think he's fully at fault uh, for the goal that they scored, but he does have a habit when he plays a centre-back of making mistakes, and he got outpaced, not surprising, but they were so high up the pitch and the line was all over the place. So I'm more confident with Dickey centre-back, but yeah, I appreciate that Naismith needs to that play. Left, that left side seems to suit Dickey more than playing in the middle of the three as he came on today or playing on the right. Yeah, I mean, I... I just feel more confident with Dickey in the side than Naismith, the centre-back. But I think Naismith is so important in terms of the way he passes the board and he creates things that you've got to find a way from in the team. And I think if you find a way from the team, then Joe Williams is the one who's going to miss out. Uh, but Joe Williams is playing well at the moment. And he had a good game today, didn't he? So yeah. it's just one of those things where Pearson had a call to make. And I think he probably made the right one in hindsight because he won the game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Williams seemed to play further back today these they've been playing something akin to a four one two three as opposed to a four two uh three one, three, one. yeah and um it it suited him where he was because he had more of the pitch if you were more of the pitch in front of him um so he could read things and go in there but the, as mark alluded to earlier on the pressing uh, was better okay sometimes you play a good passing team and they'll play around you and one thing i want to say before i get to say it is swansea did quite well to hold on to nathan wood because they had bids in the region of 10 million quid but if he's worth 10 million then zach viner's worth 15 because i thought viner was far better than him today they were saying that somebody um swansea fans were saying his head's gone since the uh the offers come in and that he wasn't yeah. happy that the deal didn't go through and that he's throwing a bit of a sulk. And that's, I mean, based on today, you're not looking at it's a con 10... His concentration was all over the place, yeah. wasn't it? Like you're not looking at... Who, who, who was a bid in for Nathan Wood from then? Southampton, was, wasn't it? Southampton, wasn't yeah. it? Leeds, it was interesting you said about his head Leeds all over was the, the first place. one. Yeah, it was interesting you said about his head all over the place with an offer because it was... Uh, Lloyd Kelly was left out of the uh, Bournemouth uh, team today because of all the talk about him going. So maybe that was for a similar reason. Mark, City started the game brightly, like they did at Hull, to be fair. And um, Bell put in a great cross for Sykes, the first of the disallowed goals. It, it looked good, overhead kick, uh, and then Knight a header into the side netting, but definitely uh, offside for that first one. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely ahead of the play, and and both those, and there was a chance um, between those two as well. Williams, you know, feed feeding Bell, picking up the loose balls, sliding them into Bell. Great combinations early on, uh, and you know they it didn't lead to anything. But yeah, he was at the, he was at the the right hand post, and he flicked it over his head, finished it really well, Sykes. But yeah, definitely offside. Yeah, Ian, great, offside great in your book. From, from offside in your book, that first one. Yeah, but that was offside. The Bell one was offside and, and Knight pushed the kid in the back with both hands. So 
it, I mean, I always think of it. If, if that goal was given against us, how would we feel? So I can't argue with the referee on, on those three incidents. Mm. Les, the referee, since Ian's brought him up, Oliver Langford, I put in my uh, end-of-game Twitter post, we beat uh, Swansea, uh, a ref-assisted Swansea. Uh, one, one of his better games, was it? He's not a very good ref. He's never been a very good ref. Um, he's in that core group of about four or five who always get talked about. Same as the guy, I think it was against Hull, I can't remember his name, the tall bloke. He's another Etringham. one. Is it Etringham, Jeff Etringham? No, it was, yeah. was it? It may have I been. Think was, I think it was Jeff Etringham. It may have been. There's these four or five refs, whoever you look at, who come up and you always think they're not really, I don't think, at the level required for championship football. I mean, we didn't get a free kick. I think it was the 40th minute we got our first free kick. I looked at the stats and I think we had we gave away seven fouls to their zero after about 39, 40 minutes. And that wasn't a true reflection of the game. But... If you're a shit ref, you make poor decisions, don't you? Yeah. Um, Mark, the, the goal, the other two, uh, Les and uh, Ian have sort of described it. I mean, just before the goal, because we'd have that bright start, Pring uh, and Nigel alluded to a few heart attack moments at various stages of the game. The first one came before their goal, but Pring sort of uh, lost his head a bit at the back, didn't he? And that seems yeah. to unsettle us. Yeah, he, pond he pondered on the ball and um, I don't know who went through. I don't know if it was Cullen or uh, or Cooper, but he was rescued by Naismith with a good good block, block tackle. But the goal, I mean, it looks innocuous to begin with. It was just a headed duel just inside the Swansea half. It falls to, T to Patino, but because we got Viner, uh, uh, Viner, Tanner and Pring in a line, almost up to the halfway line, Tanner so square. You mean, you mean TGH, don't you? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, TGH, TGH, Pring and, and, and Viner are so close to the halfway line. Bettino just slides the ball, slides the ball down, uh, you know, in, in a left-hand channel. Cullen runs onto it, outpaces Naismith and finishes really well. But what looked innocuous, we were just so square, pressed high up the pitch, and he, uh, Bettino kept his head up and it was a great pass and finish. And Patino, not that we need people in midfield, but we do need reinforcements. But Patino is an example of a loan player, wasn't it? Because is he on loan from Arsenal? Yeah, he, he was at Bla he was at Blackpool last season on that's loan. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying, you know, that's the sort of player that if people said you get a loan player, but then again, who do you leave out from what we've got? You know, and on the flip well, side, the though, is, David, the they, they, they look soft. Him, him and Grimes today. So you know that that's the other side of it, isn't they it? Nice passing, but they didn't do the, didn't they, they? You know, they're, the the other work, you know, to uh, to make make tackles and retain possession when it when it mattered, they failed. So that's the yeah. other side of the coin, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, Ian, you were going to say. Well, I I think this thing's come up about well, who do you leave out? You can't leave him out. You can't leave him. That you're never going to improve if you carry on like that. I mean, if we signed Kevin De Bruyne. Tomorrow on loan, I know he's not fit at the moment. Uh, if we sign Kevin De Bruyne tomorrow on loan from Man City, you'd play him in midfield, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Right. So it's about the quality of what you can get. Now I'm not suggesting for a second that uh, Pep would let it let him come here, but there are obviously players out there that are better than what we've got, and that's how you improve. You have yeah. better. Well, we have improved. I mean, Knight, Knight's not an improvement on Scott, although some people are saying he's playing in a way that whilst he's not Scott, 
he's not bad, but you know, Knight was two million. He was not bought to replace Alex Scott. Nigel Pearson was absolutely unequivocal about that. Mm. He was in the team to play with Alex Scott, and I, I think if Alex has stayed, you'd have seen him as one of the midfield two, with Knight making the runs and Scott picking him out and Scott mm. forward as well. So you might have played a a four one two three but you'd have had Knight and Scott up behind the, the, the three forwards. And, and that's yeah. a daunting prospect for anybody. But yeah. I, I must admit, I, I read a very funny quip. It's not my line, but somebody on Twitter said, breaking news, uh, Jason Knight has refused to board the team coach at Swansea. None of these. He said he's decided he's going to run back to Bristol. Yeah. So... Um, well, I've called him. I've called him the Duracell bunny in a tweet that I did. Uh, yeah. Les, um, like at Hull, City after going gold, that came back really strongly. You got Bellwood across Wells, bringing a save from uh, the goalkeeper uh, Rushworth, and then Bell cross Knight there, getting forward as he seems to do. He had his shot blocked on the line. Wells with a dribble, shooting the ball over the top. But then the next. Uh, offside goal or disallowed goal that was the marginal one for me because I agree with Ian on the other two but Sam sort of moved back do you think that was an overzealous uh, assistant referee uh, on that occasion no I think he was offside and it wouldn't be as big a deal if to put it bluntly Wells takes the chances that he's there to do I mean Wells has never been someone who's had a lot of pace. He's never been someone who's going to beat three or four players. But he's always been quite clever and got these goals from six yards, ten yards. Mm. And he's and he seems to have lost that little bit of composure. Um, I don't know if his body's slowing down. He's 33 now. Um, and that's a concern more than... He was, eager, he was eager to sign that contract extension. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was very surprised they offered him a new contract because he'd be on big wages. Yes, he took a cut, and but he's still going to be on one... He's going to be one of the higher earners. Well, he's um, taking a cut. It's a bit like Callas, Les, because, you know, Callas, let's say he was on 28 grand a week. Well, let's say they were on 25. That's probably on the low side because they were signed in that era of... No, he uh, wasn't, Dave. What, what was he on, do you think? What, Callas? No, well, what was Callas on then when he was here? And and about, Wells about about eighteen. All right, as little as that. What do you think Wells was on then, Ian? I think Wells was on a bit more. About I I, I guess about twenty two, and I guess. All right, so if Wells is on twenty eleven now, and that's what I'm saying. But eleven, and you'd agree with this, Les? Eleven today, post COVID, that's the equivalent. Eleven, eleven today, eleven today for a thirty three year old. Yeah. Who has got one goal in five for us, maybe. That's his ratio, um, yeah, that's right. Is, is a lot of money, especially when we're short of strikers. And Pearson always goes on about how he helps the youngsters. Well, isn't Jason Yule there as a former striker? Yeah. Premier, Ex-Premier League player there to help the strikers. So mm-hmm. was Bell offside and it harsh? I think he was offside, but my, I'm more concerned about the fact that Wells, who's made a career out of poaching, ain't taking his chances. And the problem yeah. is, who have you got to replace him? At the moment, well, I, think really I think it's one goal in open play for Naki in 25 games. It is, yeah, yeah. So, you, you, well, the, the only player that you've got that can play down the middle, you've got a choice of Cornick, who for me can't do it, yes. and or you could you could give young Yaboa a go. The other yeah. alternative, like I've said, is tweak the formation so you play two strikers two up front. Cornick can't play up front by himself, 
he's not good no. enough on the ball. He needs support. But the thing with Wells is, Wells is still a clever player. If you look at the goal he scored against yeah. Hull, he actually, he kind of paused his run and slipped in behind the defender. He's still got, he's still a clever player, but he's snatching his chances. He's not, I mean, there was another chance where he kind of, I think he lost his footing and completely missed the ball and it came off the defender when he, all he had to do was get a foot on it and it was in the net. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, you know, Bell offside, I mean, yeah, he was offside. I'm, I'm more yeah, concerned well, about it. Is, it is. But Naki, Naki could have could have had, a, on his day, he could have had a hat-trick. Yeah. He could. Yeah. I can't and remember a game when we've had the ball in the net three times. Mark, um, talking about Naki again on the stroke of half-time, you know, he, he was going to go through and Norton, he took him down. Was that a red? Because he was last man, really? He was in the clear. No, I think he was covered by Cabango. Because um, Sykes robbed robbed uh, Wood again. Obviously, Nathan Wood dreaming of that move to Southampton, uh, and Sykes feeds it to Wells. He goes inside, inside Kyle Norton, uh, who takes him down. But I think Cabango's slightly behind him. Cabango's the last man. That's why it's a yellow card, not a red. Ian, agree with that? Well, I would say I'd agree with Mark, but I couldn't see. Um, on the TV, if he, there were two covering defenders, one covering defender, or three, uh, you just couldn't see from that angle. So you'd need to be looking along the line uh, to see if the defenders were able covering, be able to get hold of Wells. Because if they're, let's say they're 10 yards away from Naki Wells and he's there, what was he, 25 yards out, 30 yards out from goal? through one-on-one you honestly look at it and say well yeah they'd have definitely caught him um so that that was my only i, I couldn't say whether that was it on balance if they're covering defenders it was the right it was the right decision if okay. they are covering defenders but the only one i could see was the guy that uh, played the short pass to start with which was wood um i don't think he'd have got back but like you say cabango might have been back yeah. Somebody else has been there. What's, so, your, what's your take on that one, Les? So, um, yeah, what Ian said. What Ian said is it's hard to tell. Because you haven't got the proper angles and what yeah, have you. Okay. Exactly. And then the half ended with uh, the, 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 the other ball being disallowed. And you're absolutely right. As all of you have said, Knight pushed his man in the back. So, you know, yeah, you could, hear, you could hear the referee's whistle as Knight. You know, as as yeah. Knight uh, took took the shot, you knew it was going to be it was going to be disallowed. Yeah. So yeah, it was already anyway. Yeah. But at half time, you're sitting there thinking we shouldn't be a goal down. We should be going in at the very least on level terms. But the second half started. We we're attacking the 1900 City fans end of the ground out of a crowd of 16 and a half. So not a bad turnout for both really. Um, and the first goal, Mark uh, Nigel. I just heard Nigel's interview. Described it as a good one. It was set up by Williams, but how did you see? Uh, how did you see the goal? It was good. It, you know, Sykes gets a lot of praise for his energy, but that was good skill by him there, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was just so much, so much space there. I mean, at, at half time, um, Duff made a tactical change. He took uh, the uh, he took took um, off Ashby, uh, who was playing. On the right, on the right hand, uh, right hand side of midfield, pushed Key back and put Ginelli on. So more went more four four two. They switched it around a bit, but there was there was 
basically Williams picks up the ball just inside the Swansea half, plenty of space, but plays a lovely ball to the right behind their defence. And uh, Sykes takes it on his right foot. He's got Wood in front of him, switches it onto his left and just hits it into the, the bottom left-hand corner. It was a sweet finish. Wells and Bell were in the area, but he was confident enough to take that shot. Great finish. One all. Deserved equaliser. Yeah. Was a good bit of skill from Sykes, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, uh, he's, he's, been, he's not been a bad buy, really, has he? He's been an excellent buy because he didn't cost anything. Yeah. I can't think of a better signing for three that we've made in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. Aaron Wilbraham. Wilbraham, there's one. <laughs> Sorry. Any others. Could not be in picky. But when you think about it, we were told that he was the poor, poor of the tomb in terms of Odalda. But in a team that hasn't been playing particularly good football, he gets goals and he gets assists. He's he's one of the most important players, I think, in the team. Yeah. When he lot- finishes like that, Les, I mean, that... That was a, a great finish. He has he has a we're, habit we're of getting in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he does. He does. A great Ian, it, it's sort of saying he's a valuable addition in the side, but if you're going to go to yeah. that two-man formation up front, that little tweak, he isn't one of your two, is he? Or is he? No. He's one of your wide players who's going to give those two the service. Um, he, the great thing for me, uh, Joe Williams pressed really well won the ball and then played a fantastic pass around the corner and picked out Sykes's run. Um, and of course, it, at that moment, you're waiting for the old trigger finger linesman to get the flag up and say, oh, well, he was offside as well. But I think the guy playing right back played him on. So off he went, but he still had the composure to get in the box. And for all the world, I thought he'd bash it right footed, but he, took it inside on his left, a little bit like what he did against Norwich at Ashton Gate, but far better finish into the corner of the net with his left foot. Um, so Joe Williams, great pass, great assist, um, and great to see Sightsy score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had, uh, they had a chance. Cullen had a shot saved uh, just after that. Viner put a good through ball to Pring with a cross that Wells forced a corner. 55 minutes, the Sykes penalty incident or no pen. Now, I can't remember when theirs was because there was talk of a handball, I think. Yeah, That, that was yeah. later, yeah. He was, was pushing the back by yes, Did you think that was a pen when Sykes was uh, clattered? Or again, the angles on the camera, you know, you they're, they're not multi-angle, so you can't really tell. Or did you have a view? Oh, I didn't see it, so I don't know. You didn't. Okay, Ian, what did you think on that one? Well, it, it looked to me, and I've only seen it back a couple of times, uh, is though Sykes put himself between the defender and the ball. And, uh, you know, when you hear footballers, football pundits say he felt contact and he was entitled to go down, it was one of them. Um, so he put himself in a, got himself between a defender and the ball. Now you can either say, well, that's really clever. I think that there was contact. Whether it was enough to make him go down like that, I think the referee felt he, he went down a little bit easy. Mm. Um, so I, I suppose I, I'd have to say I'm I'm no more than 50-50 on that one. I mean, do you think, Les, VAR, for the amount of money that's at stake, particularly with you know the golden ticket of going up through the playoffs, do you think we should be having VAR in uh, this division? And there was three or four incidents today that it would have come into play, wouldn't it? Well, they get half the decisions wrong, though, still, don't they? So, 
there was that one from Man City today where the kiddies, I think he's headed out a shot from the edge of the box and the, the Man City players well offside and right in front of the goalkeeper who's then delayed his dive and then it's obviously gone in and they were expecting the flag to go up or VAR to rule it out and they ruled it in. So I don't like it much while so many mistakes are going on. I mean, when you're talking about so much money, then yeah, you want every decision to be spot on. But the problem is, even with it, they're not making spot on decisions. Mm. So that's worrying. That's, that, that is worrying. And, you wonder and to be fair, how many howlers have there, has there been so far this season in terms of, you know, incidents that's led to goals? Or yeah, real goals. You've had four weeks. You've had four weeks of Premiership action, and there's a, mm. there's there's always an incident. What do you think, Mark? Champ, championship VAR VAR waste of time. How do you how do you? I think it? I think it I think it gets most things right, um, but it's just these these stupid examples, like the Manchester United one last year. You know when they scored against City off when it was offside, and that was that was questionable, and. I think that was, I mean, there's a story, you know, coming out of the Chelsea game, a Chelsea game last season where the the guy quit VAR and he said he didn't, he didn't give a penalty against Spurs. I think it was a couple of seasons ago because he thought the referee was having a bad time. So he didn't give it. But I think it it gets most things right, you know, with, uh, with the offside lines. I think they're right. If you're offside, you're offside. Uh, I just think there's got to be consistency um, because you know, I think they should they should challenge things like, uh, you know, uh, wrestling in the penalty area. They should come down a little bit more heavily on that. Um, obviously, referees have got they're 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 punishing dissent dissent more and kicking the ball and kicking the ball away. You yeah. know, answering back and kicking the ball away. But there's got to be consistency between the VAR okay. official and, and 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 the referee. That there okay, Ian, you, that. you put your hand up there. What did you want to say <laughs> on VAR? Well, Les is right. It's not half of it it gets wrong, but there are, have been some very key mistakes. Like one week, there's two guys in the VAR studio and their job is to draw a line. And they drew the line wrong. Now, if you've got one job and that job is drawing a line, you ought to be able to draw a bloody line. All right? Yeah. I just don't see how you can get, I don't think there's anything at all, unless the system uh, falls down, which IT systems do, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with VAR. I think it's once again, we come back to this word interpretation, which we've yeah. had years. Yeah. Um, and let, interestingly, the fourth official today was Keith Stroud. So we had the full set there, didn't we? The, <laughs> it was like the incompetent twins go to football and off they go to uh, who should we referee? Well, it's got to be Bristol City. <laughs> oh, can't we do Warnock? No, 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 no. Let's go over there. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm broadly in favour of it. I'm very much in favour of uh, Hawkeye, the um, goal line review. System. Yeah, you don't get any issues with that. I think that's brilliant. As you know, I'm a massive cricket fan and I watch a lot of that. Yeah. And even then, with slow motion replays and God knows what, they don't always get things like catches right. No. Um, but in fairness, there's less mistakes now than there used to be. And it, it, the speed the game's played at, and I'm talking about cricket and football, that's a difficult That's a difficult to do. I know. Maybe in time. I think oh, Dave, just, sorry. Just yeah. one more on descent. I think the manager needs to get hold of 
our players and tell them to shut up. All right. We had a player sent off um, against Birmingham for, I don't know. Well, a second yellow, but was triggered by a dissent. Yeah, and he wasn't even involved in the incident when he gave the referee some and got booked. Naismith today wasn't involved directly in the incident. The foul was against Knight. He got booked for lip. Now, at that point, I'm then thinking, oh, God almighty, don't please somebody, Swansea player, run through and Naismith kind of touches him and and goes down. Because he'd have got a second yellow and he'd been off. He'd now, been off, which is exactly what he said about ticket. I had to laugh area where he said, you want one job and you just need to get that right, which is drawing the line. I think I remember... A little bit... I think I can remember Brian Clough with fine players for doing that. Yeah, yeah we should. For defense. What, I think we should do that. That'll right. discourage him, wouldn't it, if you get hit in the pocket? Yeah, well, one job and getting it right. That really applies to uh, the admin person at a certain club, the other side of Bristol, who had one job, which was to get a fax to uh, uh, the uh, Football League headquarters. <laughs> they screwed that up. What, a fax? Right. They, so, they still use those. They didn't use they, carrier they, pigeon then. Yeah. What? They screwed, they, screwed it, they screwed it up uh, big time and oh, unbelievable. Where they got, where they got 800,000 quid from? Yeah. Back um, to the sofa. Well, they sent the facts to the wrong place, didn't they? Well, 800, 800 quid, 800,000. They sent to Peter Head, did they? <laughs> I don't know. No, well, the other thing I heard, Neil told, Neil told me this. This was another uh, thing because I was watching the game with uh, Neil. That the Peterborough team were down at Portsmouth, right? Mm. And, you know, the deal had all been done. It was all going through. And what they did, rather than give the guy and this didn't help, rather than give the guy a medical at Portsmouth and say, have you got a medical person that can do one of this and it's going to cost whatever, they put him in a taxi back to Bristol on a Friday afternoon to get him to the Rovers training ground, up at whatever it's called. So, you know, talk about a two-bob outfit. There we go. Look, we've still got, we've still got the winning goal to discuss. Les, um, Sykes again and Bell, two players that have had their critics from time to time sam bell certainly first four games of the season he's not been the best but he loves it over there in that in that ground didn't it but it was a good goal another good goal it was a good goal sykes got it on the right hand side he did a similar cross to the one that uh, we did against hull when wells put it in but this was slightly further out and he's hit it on with his left foot back to where it's come from in off the post it's a good finish actually I mean, plenty of times you see a player kind of snatch it and it goes flying into the stand. Um, but he's a good finisher, to be fair to him. I think he, I think he's one of the best finishers in the club. So on his instep, left foot, back where it come from, really nice finish. No keeper saving that. The only way that's not going in is if a defender gets their body in the way. Uh, and they didn't. And it's a big goal for him because it's going to really boost his confidence. Because yeah. the impression I got was it the last few weeks people have been getting on his back. He hasn't been having much impact in games, so hopefully he can go on a little run now. Um, but he's a good finisher. Yeah, Ian, good goal in your book. Well, of course it was. Yeah, excellent goal, and that's why I get really annoyed with Sam when he doesn't use his left foot more, because it's not like he can't use it. I've seen him use it to great effect. And you remember the game against Birmingham? He had about six one-on-one opportunities with the right back. And every time he came inside and every time the right back took the ball off him. And then the one time he got on his left, he put in a fantastic cross 
And don't ask me how Naki missed it from about three yards out. Yes. Um, so it, that's where I, I, you know, Dave, you've been following the club as long as I have. We've had people down here who couldn't kick the ball in the right direction. Um, and when you see a player that has talent and Sam's in that bracket, and I think like Les says, he's one of the one of the best natural natural goal scorers at the club. If if you said, uh, I think I made this point on the last pod we did, Dave, but if you said to City fans, right, at the start of the season, who's gonna you've got a back players to score 10 goals or more, you Sambo would probably be just about fourth in that list. Behind that was exactly the number I was thinking as you said yeah, that. And Andy Boyman, Naki Wells, because Naki Tomway. is as well, and Tommy. Now, we haven't got Andy Boyman, we haven't got Tommy. Andy's back after the break, touch wood. Um, Tommy's not going to be back until back in training until October. So when Nigel Pearson says, oh, Tommy's back here and he, he'll be back then. That's when he's back in training. That's not when he's going to start playing. So I really, um, I, I like seeing players do the best they can do. Um, and like you said, we've had some very, very limited players here. I'll, I'll call it limited and be polite. But Sam isn't one of those. He's got no. talent no. and I like to see him using that and his pace more. Okay, Mark, you put your hand up. You wanted to have an utterance there? I think you've got to take your out to Mark Sykes when he got the ball in the, in the right channel. He took three players out of the game and he, and he crossed it crossed it into the box. I think it brushed slightly against Josh Key, but he had momentum, just went, breezed past Nathan Wood again and the cross, nice low cross. How many times have we seen the ball just pumped over, hung up, chipped up, where defenders clear it? Nice low cross, first time. And, it, you know, it was not technical finish. Well. well, it was just guided back across the keeper by yeah, Sam Bell. Yeah. And like Ian said, he's a great finisher. Yeah. And that's com that comes down to confidence. That will yeah. give him a lot of confidence. No, but well, Mark Sykes, superb running The ball came in early as well. That's yeah. the thing that annoys me with some of our players sometimes. Mm. They have an opportunity to cross it. Campering's guilty of this. But they'll go back towards their own goal. Get the thing across. Look, one of their blokes could always kick it in the net. You want to hope there's an unforced that's, error. That's the, the, the other thing is that's the yeah. difference between, look at Sykes now, where he's come from, and Mimetti. It's taking that extra touch. Gives the uh, gives the defender a chance to reset. That he's, uh, he's facing up and the ones in the box. Get the ball in low. you just got to mix it up. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can come inside. But otherwise, take that chance. You've got the space. Hit it hard. Okay. Sometimes you'll get a deflection like we did against Rotherham last season. It's much harder to defend against if, if defenders are facing their own goal. Yeah. I said again, I said it didn't, I don't think we had any other chances after that. But um, Max was a little bit lucky when, from across, Cabango's header went off the post straight into Max's arms. And then I think Grimes, who you said, Ian, had a poor game because we know he's one of their better players on his day. And Darling... Got a header, saved by Max. But uh, Ian, do you think Max? You know, I didn't see any wayward kicking today, and he, yeah, I thought we had a decent game, Max in goal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's fine. That was a bit of a funny one, but but why he was in that situation is he was getting worried about the balls to the back post when they uh, brought yeah. them out and they they signed from France. He was getting up at the back post, and obviously, yeah, Sam Bell was tracking back, but. 
Sam's not the tallest in the world. So the lad was hanging out on the back stick, which is what they do, and he was jumping against Sam a lot, and I think possibly Cam Bray. Now, Cam didn't start the game very well today. In fact, I think he had a bit of a poor first half, but he got stronger and better as the game went on. But that lad was... I was actually glad he wasn't on from the start because he was a natural centre forward and he was pulling off at the back, back stick and he was mm. causing problems. But Max had come halfway to see if he could catch the ball. So he was out of position when the lads headed across and Cabango's got his head on it. And a firmer header, and it would have probably gone in, but it seems to have either hit his knees and gone onto the post. So I think he thought at one minute, he thought, oh, it's going to hit the post, it's going wide, oops. And then he went for it late. Um, yeah, that we had a little bit of luck there that he's managed to keep it out with his knees and then the ball's been cleared. Yeah. Uh, Les, sticking with individual player performances today, what did you think of uh, Taylor Gardner-Hickman, who sounds like a back three in his own right? And I'm not going to say that again. I said that the last time. But what do you think of him? As a signing um, as well, you know. Well, he's some type of player Pearson likes. got lots of energy. Uh, he's relatively good on the ball and he can play in different positions which is what he wants um i thought he looked a bit rusty especially at the start with some of his distribution but he offers a lot more than tanner does i mean tanner's uh in my view a league one league two player in the championship i mean he's a good backup he can do a job if he's short he's relatively good defensively he offers absolutely nothing going forward so from our perspective, it was a no-brainer to try and bring someone in. And I think he'll get better the more he plays and as he gets used to playing with the people around him. But he obviously offers a lot more going forward than Tanner ever, ever will. Yeah. Um, we're five games in, eight points. I use that word that I got criticised for last season. Extrapolation. Eight nines are 72. 72. We're sat in eighth in the table, I think, at the moment. I mean... What's your school mark? I've said it's a B plus. You can't really extrapolate. You need to do that after 10 or 11 games, don't you? But um, what, what would your school mark be for the opening sequence going into the first international break, Les? And I'll ask you and uh, Ian, Mark and Ian the same question. What do you think, Les? Probably B or a B minus. I don't think we can be a B plus when we're performing like we are at home. Um, under under Pearson, we've done it plenty of times away from home against mid-table championship sides, doing them on the break. We know we can we play like that. But our performances at home have been, I think, really worrying in terms of okay. creating chances. If, if I mean, look, we're, we're what, eighth, ninth, whatever. But if we've been playing good at home and creating chances and, you know, drawing with Preston and losing to Birmingham and playing well... And yeah, fine. But you know, if we yeah. want to get to the playoffs, we need to, if we want to get in the playoffs, you need to sort out the home form. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, Mark, what's your uh, school mark for the opening five games? I'd agree with Les a B because of the home form, and we we we're about two or three three months away from getting players back. Uh, we're, we're really stretched on central midfielders. The only play, I mean, I thought maybe Andy King could have gone on, come on for 10 minutes at the end of the game, but he put, put Cornick, you know, swap Cornick uh, for Sykes, which was a good decision because he, you know, he, he pressed really well. Cornick for Wales, didn't he? 
sorry, Cornick for Wales. Yeah, he ate up the, you know, he, he ate up a lot of time by making some good runs, didn't he, and winning free kicks deep. But we really got, we've really a couple of, in, we could, you know, if James was to get injured, we'd have real problems. So unless we've, we, teams are gonna are gonna sit in against us at home, uh, and we play much better when we don't have we have, we have less possession than the opposition, which we'll probably get against West Brom. So that'll be good for us. Plymouth might might sit in, but until we start winning games at home and scoring goals, you know, creating lots of chances, yeah. um, I think uh, it's, it's baby it's baby steps still. Baby steps. Great oh. away from home, but it's baby steps yeah. because uh, we haven't done anything. Ian, your mark, you, I think you're going to be consistent with what's been said so far. You know, B, B plus, B minus, B. What's it for I'd, you? I'd I'd probably give it a B if you if you. Look at the extrapolation. I mean, if you it, it's, even if you look at if we went on all season with form like we got in the away games, we'd have 123 points <laughs> for 46 games. Yeah. Now, if but conversely, look at it as look, what we are at home. We'd finish up with 23 points, and you'd be relegated by Christmas. So that's the discrepancy, and I haven't included the Norwich game in that. Because it'd be even worse, um, because yeah. it wasn't a league game. Um, so we need to improve it. We've got an absolute battery down there of analysts, coaches, and God knows what. They need to sit down. I'm not suggesting for a minute they haven't done it, but they need to do it again, possibly, and sit down and say, right, what do we do at home if the the team that we're playing? doesn't attack us and doesn't dominate possession because we're not very good when we dominate possession. And that's because of a lot of things. Uh, we lack tempo. Uh, we lack a forward that can hold the ball up. We go too much. Our crosses aren't early and low. Uh, so we can, we can see what's wrong. Uh, the, what you employ uh, a, a top quality manager and coaches for is to say, ah, yeah, well, actually, what we need to do is this. And yeah. more of that, or tweak the formation slightly. Okay. It's not, you don't have to play 4 2 3 1. Well, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be. It's not illegal. Happy. No, I think they're going to be happy. And because we've got eight points and it's certainly not a crisis, nothing's going to change. And the next six batch of games, it's going to take us to the quarter point in the season. As I say, mm -hmm. we've got home games against West Brom, Plymouth and Stoke, and away games against Le Leicester, Rotherham, and Leeds, yeah? So if you look at if you look at the, the away games, that's two of the toughest games you're going to get all season at Leicester and Leeds, although Leicester lost today. Rotherham is the away game that you've got to be saying, although they beat Norwich today, didn't they? 2-1. They yeah? did. So there's no... We know there's no easy games. All right, look, our last uh, podcast, somebody said the last 20 minutes was the best bit because we weren't talking about the game. We were talking about the lack of transfer activity and it created on the forum this week, Nigel's interview with the BBC where he sort of said, well, look, don't ask me. The general view is that Nigel is being hung out to dry in the sense that he's having to answer all questions, yeah. I was the one who put up on Twitter yesterday, you know, Phil Alexander, chief executive, missing person, yeah, and got a lot of support on that. Um, there seems to, and somebody used today the term siege mentality in the sense that you've got the players and the manager 
and the fans, there's almost this like the players and managers and the fans want a together as one, but there's this antipathy now towards the owner because he's the last person in the hierarchy of the club who spoke, which was in the immediate aftermath of the Alex Scott transfer. So, Les, what, what's going on behind the scenes? You know, the summit not right for communication, it, Les. It, it all stems from when, I don't know who it was, I don't know if it was Pearson or someone else, said there's plan A and plan B. Yeah. If, he'd, if, he, if he'd never said that, then there wouldn't be an issue. But because we were told very clearly we have a plan for when Scott goes, people were expecting some business to be done. And maybe he was told that. Maybe he was told that, you know, if Scott goes, you'll reinvest five million or something. I don't know. Um, that's why there's issues. So ultimately, I think someone one of the someone needs to come out and explain why they haven't. I mean, I guess in the answer will just be your wage structure, wage structure and all that. But at the same time, you know, Pearson isn't blameless in this because when we got the money for Semenyo, he's made it very clear time and time again, we're only going to buy players who are going to make us better. And he knows the wage bill has been very tight for a while. And he goes and signs Mimetti and Cornick, who ultimately haven't had the impact that we wanted. Not just that, but they haven't looked anywhere near good enough. I mean, it's not like you're looking at half-decent championship players. They, they, they haven't looked good enough at all. I mean... So, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking behind the scenes. Maybe they're thinking we'll save this money for when Pearson goes in the summer, if he goes in the summer, for someone who may, who will work with Tinian. Pearson's had money. He hasn't spent it wisely. He's lost our trust. They'll never come out and say that, though, will they? But then, uh, but then, but then you look at the players, some of the because I think Ian said the number, I think Pearson signed 21 players in total now, yeah? Um, it's, it's 22 if, if you say signed and re-signed because we had the players here let's not forget that um signed and re-signed with zach 22 yeah it all comes down to this plan a plan b thing that was said yeah we yeah. were told they made a rod for what you're saying is they made a rod for their own back well no but, well either that or they lied to pearson it's one of the two they came out and said if he goes we have a plan for it but there isn't there has been no plan for it well we, we when Dave and I were at dinner and I asked Brian Tinian that specific question. How many players do you think you're going to sign? And the answer was, we'll sign three if Scotty stays. We'll sign four if he goes. And the club's actually signed five. And the reason they signed uh, TGA McCrory. They, yeah. is McCrory. Now, when we talk about George Tanner, if I was George Tanner, I'd be thinking, mm, I think I'll start looking tell me agent to see what's about the simple reason that McCrory was obviously signed to replace him. I know he, he's another one of these blokes who can play five different positions. They asked Pearson what his best position is. And he said, right back. If I'm George Tanner, I'm thinking, oh. now he signed TGH who played it right back today. So you don't need to be Pep Guardiola to work out that Pearson's, you know, fancies somebody else at right back. He, he's even played Mark Sykes there, you know, taken George off and brought Mark, put Mark Sykes back there, where I don't think, as a right back, I don't think he's best. His best position is the one he's playing. Um, so we have done what Brian Tinian said, because my other question to him was, 
how on earth are you going to maintain quality in the squad if you sell Alex Scott, who is supposed to be worth 25 million, and then Brian Tinian said, and the rest. And I heard him say that, so that's not just Ian. I, yeah. I was in that conversation. So, so how are you going to maintain the quality if you sell Alex Scott and you bring in somebody else, unless that other person is potentially a 25 million pound player? Mm. Now, you might be able to possibly do it with a loan if you've got one of Arsenal's or Chelsea's best uh, reserve players that somebody like that might might move for 14 yeah. I want, to, I want to come. I want to go you, to Mark. You, I was just going to say. Yeah, I mean, but just to just to say, they've done. So Plan A was three players. Plan B was four. McCrory got this long term injury, so Plan B became five. So that's Pierce, sorry. Pearson came. We're going to make. Pearson came out and said that if Scott goes, we got a plan for it. It might be the case that there was no plan for it, and Pearson was just putting it out there to put pressure on the board. You know what he's like. He likes to. Put, well, he's, he, he likes a bit of conflict. He may might have been a deliberate attempt to put pressure on them for if Scott goes. Maybe there was never this plan for him. I, I want to ask if, Mark a question, but Ian, I'll come come to you on this. Um, Callas, until that contract of Callas's was on the table, yeah, right. And I think Pearson would have liked Callas to sign, yeah. So Callas, it was still in the balance, right, when those four signings had been made. So you talk about freeing up wages and this thing, the wage budget, which is fudging it. This is where the club, I think, are being disingenuous. That wage budget, yeah, uh, well, and Mark, Ian's got to go and tend to his dog. Um, that wage budget, Mark, included Callas, and it would have been a decent wage, you know. So do, do you think our owner has reneged on some agreement? Well, that's where the disparity is. Because when, when, of course, when the wages got mentioned, people immediately think, are we, are we close to FFP? Is FFP going to be a problem? But we're not. We're fine with FFP, with the Semenya and the, uh, and the stock money. Obviously, um, you know, Pearson's had to reduce the wage bill to make the club more sustainable over the last three seasons. We can, we can understand that. Although at the start of his tenure, you know, brought in Danny Simpson was a poor signing. I wouldn't say Andy King's improved us, and I agree with Les Cornick and and uh, and and Mimetti at the moment are impact subs at they're best. No, they're no they're better. better. They're, they're certainly they're no better. Than what better than what they're not going to take us. They're not going to take us up a level. But there's that disparity, and there's that interview, and it's that term that Lansdowne used. I'm building a nest egg now. Married couples build a nest egg. You know, years ago, a Bill Society account to get, you know, to get your holiday. Sorry, Les, I'm, I'm down. I think I've lost a room. But, you know, years ago, you're building up your savings. It just sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. I don't think Pearson made that statement in haste. That is what the club told him. But, you know, the plans would have changed, should have changed, because McCrory, obviously, I mean, we don't know if we'll see him again this season. We don't know how long Vyman will be out. We hope he'll be back after the international break. And, of course, Conway's uh, hamstring tear means he won't be out, won't be back until November, December at, at the earliest. And Benarus so yeah, is a hamstring thing well, as well. Well, Benarus, you know, that will give him a nice problem when Benarus is finally fit. You know, I... I uh, there's no question that Nigel will want to keep him in, you know, keep him in the squad if, when he's available. He'll get some minutes, but 
everything was thrown up in the air by all those injuries. There was money there. But Lansdowne said, no, you're at your wage limit, which is uh, left uh, Pearson out to dry. So Pearson's had to go out and say, this is the way it is. So all we've got now really to rely on, I don't know if there's anybody from the academy who can step up because we, we, it'd be nice to have another midfielder because yeah. we are very light in, in, in central well, midfield if there's any injuries. Ian, uh, everybody, I was watching uh, uh, Sky Transfer Centre last night and there were three players that, that came um, into... The, it was chatter about them. And one of them was... Was it Alex Campbell who plays... Alan Luton? Campbell. Alan Campbell. Attacking midfielder, I think. Went from Luton. Mill- yeah, went from Luton to Millwall. There was a snippet. Mel said this to me. It was She was looking at Twitter. It didn't appear Sky anywhere. And he has been linked with us before. Herbie Kane who's a Bristol lad. I don't know what position he plays. And then there was, it didn't go through, but then there was Kiefer Moore, who was possibly going to go from Brighton to, that was to Millwall as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Bournemouth, Bournemouth to Millwall. Bournemouth to Millwall, sorry. Yeah. So those are three players there that just taking those three names, if we'd have signed any one of those at the death, right, with, you know, wouldn't it cost an arm and a leg and we could have done them on loans, couldn't we, And So, those three there, any we'd have been happy with any one of those, wouldn't we? Don't you think? I I'd have probably been happy with with Kiefer Moore because he's different to what we've got, and players players like that are very handy in both penalty areas uh, for defending set pieces and attacking set pieces. And I've I you know Kiefer Moore, a lot of people say he's just dead on a stick. I think he's a lot better than that. Um, the the other two, the the lad at Luton. Uh, possibly, I don't think he'd have done us any harm. Barnsley fans are absolutely desperate to get rid of Irby Kane, who was who was it? I think he was at City, went to Liverpool, um, and now he's um, signed for. Um, uh, we, he went to Barnsley, but Barnsley fans were excited about the fact that he might have been might have been leaving the club and coming here. So that tells you something. Um, but we'd already said. Nigel Pearson had already said, "We're not doing any more business." We're, we've yeah, maxed- no, he was very, he was very categoric about. Well, that. he was absolutely unequivocal. No, we're not doing anything. We can't do anything. Uh, I don't know why you'll have to ask somebody else why. So it seems to me that he feels, I don't know him, uh, he feels let down by lack of investment after the cash, after the Scott sale, and I think our fans were all pretty happy on balance, up to the point that Scotty was sold, I think 80%, 90% of our fan base thought, well, we're probably going to sell him, but if we sell him, we'll get a good fee and we'll be able to spend some money. we we'll go out and buy, as you say, not a five or a £10 million player. but so a, a couple of, Let's say we went out and got a couple of £2 million players. Yeah, in key positions. Yeah, but or we'd have got, yeah. got some loans in. Now, we've done neither. And people are justifiably saying, well, hang on a minute. As Les said, what's the plan B? Um, and, and just explaining again, it was Brian Tinian who, who said that when asked a question at, a, at a, um, a lunch. Senior Reds, yeah. Senior Reds lunch. Um, it, it wasn't Steve. It was, I, I can't remember, not, but Nigel Pearson saying it, but he may have said the, about the plan A and the plan B. Yeah. 
Um, it, so all of a sudden people, and I think Nigel Pearson was, because he seemed really nonplussed when they asked him at the end of the Oxford game, I think it was, and they said, oh, Alex Scott is on his way down to Bournemouth for a medical. And, and it, it was like, well, yes, yeah, so they tell me. Yeah, well, that's no different to Pochettino this week. He didn't know that Celtic, uh, Celtic Chelsea, fat lot of good that did. Fat lot of good that did then. Um, uh, Les, somebody we always like to talk about the text messages here. Somebody, Kieran Long said, uh, City seemed to be a better team when going one nil down. I've no idea why. What's your opinion on that? I would say, yeah, it's good that we can come back. But what do you think? Are we? Or is that just the way it's panned I out? Think, I think when we play away from home, we're a much better team. And there's been a ton of games where we've gone away from home and won 2 1. I remember QPR last year. There's plenty. When was the last time we won from going a goal down at home? I can't remember. No. So I don't think there's when much. The how many times have we scored three goals or more at home in the last mm. three yeah. seasons? You know, yeah. how many? When was the last time we got into double figures in wins at home? Yeah, it's been consistent. Uh, 2017 18 season, I think. Go. You know, when we when we flirted with the playoffs, I think we got 11, but it's been like seven and eights. You know, I mean, when um, I first, when I started, ever since we've come up, we've, we've struggled at yeah. home ever since we've come it, back it into this division. It always used to be Fortress Ashton Gate. Um, Les, sticking with you, the same question I asked Ian Kiefer Moore, the guy Campbell, maybe not Kane. Those are the sort of players that yesterday it would have lifted everybody. But I, again, I Cam, Cam, Campbell's the one who, who yeah. is a realistic option. But do you think but, this was? Do you think this was part of the Pravda communication style of the, the club that they announced Zach Viner's contract as though it was like a new signing? I put it was a yeah. bit like Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake. You know, we're giving you something. We're giving you your player of the season last season. He signed a new deal. Do you think that was tactical or communication? Yeah, yeah, it was all deliberate to try and appease the fan base. I mean, someone like Keith Moore, we're not going to make signings like him no. anymore. Like he was, he was linked with Millwall. From what I heard, he turned Millwall down. Norwich then came in for him, and he, they didn't do it for some reason. Didn't go through with Norwich either. You know, we're not going to spend money on players on big wages that we're going to have to contribute heavily to. Someone like Campbell's a much more realistic option mm. because he's a good championship player. He'll make, he would have made us better. He's quite dynamic. He got a great shot on him. I think he would have been a really good sign. And, um, and he, if we had money in the bank, I, I think we would have maybe have been in for him. Yeah. But Herbie, Herbie Kane isn't going to happen. You no. know, he's, not, he's not putting no trees up at Barnsley. I mean, but, I think... Hmm. It is I think what it is. This, this siege mentality now, between now and Christmas, the interesting thing is going to happen. What happens if come the opening of the next window, we're sat there in eighth, we are where we are now, you know, and things are going good. Mark, do you think, is, is there a, a fractured relationship between the manager and the owner? And if we're in a decent position in January, do you think he'll relax the purse strings or do you think, as as we've all suggested and Les has as well, that Pearson's days here are numbered, yeah, unless, you know, he gets auto, you know? what? Because, you know, his contract's up at the end of the season. But if we're doing well, is, 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 the, is, is the owner going to let him invest in Jan and get that striker that might be necessary? If we're challenging for the playoffs, but I think that we're, that's a, a big jump ahead because of the home form at the moment and the fact that we are, 
you know, we, we, we're fat, we're, we're, we're struggling, you know, to, to keep players fit. That's our best side we got out there today, you know, uh, injuries, injuries aside. So when the players come back, if we were challenging, and that'd be nice. Uh, if we get if we put some home form together and we've got to score goals when we're on top, you can't go 45 minutes and being a, being a goal behind because a lot of the teams will punish you. They won't let you create the number of chances that we we did today. We we're really going to have to be seriously challenging because Lansdowne said, "Look, I've given you all the money that, that uh, you know." He's, he we had that interview. He said, "You know, Emperor's new clothes. We've got all these lovely things. Always talks about the high performance centre and all the nice little baubles the clubs get. It makes no difference whatsoever. Results on the pitch matter. The fans won't matter about any siege mentality." And if we're the club are with the club are winning games, yeah. Nigel Pearson is a lot more uh, savvy than Steve Cottrell. Steve Cottrell was less bombastic, I think. He's yeah. not. I think he's probably independently wealthy. He's not going to worry if his contract's not renewed. He will do his damnedest to make things to make things work. But he knows that it's going to be very hard unless he can increase squad numbers in the second half of the season. Okay, but we've got to work that hard to be to be yeah. to be challenging, and we've got to have a lot of luck on the injuries front to be in that position. Of course, and so the, I, I want to wrap up in a second uh, or a minute or two, Ian. Um, if we are challenging in eighth and eighth, I'm talking about being four. Four or five points off the playoffs, but by the time we get to the turn of the year, if we've had new injuries, we're going to have all the players back. But do you think Lansdowne would invest? Do you think if we're challenging the playoffs, he could convert? I put this on OTIP, convert Pearson's contract to a rolling 12 month arrangement, which is not a massive commitment, yeah, and it would show belief in the manager, right, rather than this hiatus. But do you think he'd spend? And what do you think of that idea of giving Pearson a rolling contract if we're there at the end of the year? Henry Ford's company, you know, the Ford Motor Company, it was in terrible, terrible trouble. And they're going to go out of business. And they got this designer and he designed a thing called the Ford Mustang that you might have heard of. And it basically saved the company from bankruptcy and oblivion. So Henry Ford sacked him one day and they were said, what the hell are you doing? Why on earth? This guy's a genius. Why did you sack him? He said, I didn't like him. And I think you could get something similar happen at Bristol City. Now, I'm not saying that if I think if Nigel Pearson, Bristol City are touching distance of the playoffs at Christmas, I think Steve Lansdowne will allocate money for sensible signings. The days of the 8 million quids for Callas and all that are gone. Forget about it. It's not going to happen again. But providing we could go out, and it, is, it will be a gamble because we will have to, by then, uh, the other thing, by then, our, our latest set of accounts will be out. So we'll know if we won, lost or drew last year and by how much. So, and look, and they'll be able to project forward from where we are now to what the next set of accounts are going to look at or look like. So I don't think there's any excuse, what any reason why he wouldn't. He might say to him, look, we're not going to buy players, but we'll fund some real quality loans. Yeah. Let's try that. Um, 
But uh, going back to something we all said earlier about the uh, communication, we need an unequivocal statement from Steve or Phil Alexander, yeah. somebody in authority to say, well, I know we, look, guys, I know we sold Alex Scott, uh, but th this is why we sold him because we got a really good offer. He wouldn't have been playing anyway because he's still injured. So look, we've done a really good deal. The reason we didn't then go out and buy players was because of this. Yeah. Um, we're all grown-ups. We're a long time shaving. And you can then understand why it is. But at the moment, you've got that. Well, the silence is the silence is deafening. The silence it? is deafening. It, it does create this. You you mentioned a, a, a bunker mentality or a siege mentality. Siege. Yeah, you you could have a little bit of that with the with the club. And if Pearson keeps on winning, it's you well. Know, if he keeps on be... on winning, your thing about the rolling contract, I think that's a great idea. The question is, would he sign a rolling contract? Because if he does really well with us. Other clubs might be queuing up to take him. But he think I think Pearson came here because I think he approached us three years ago when he got the job, sort of thing. Yeah, it was like, yeah, look, I'll be your manager. So maybe he sees it as a project, as something he wants to see through. Les, final question for you. Um, I've said, what if we're towards the playoffs or something like that, right? Let's take the opposite of that. What if we're we've got all our players back? Uh, from injury, you know, we, we got a, a fit squad. We got, we're always going to have three players out injured long term, but let's say, you know, it's not any of the ones that are, well, McCrory ain't going to be here in the new year playing. But let's say we're half a dozen points off the bottom three, right? Do you think, um, not, not in any immediate threat of relegation, but do you think Lansdowne might pull the trigger at the turn of the year and give a new manager? The chance to spend money in January, or do you think he'll just hope? Because you said earlier in the week, Ian, you know, Lansdowne, the cost of relegation is a lot more than what we need to spend. But do, do you, what what's your view on the? I think what I'm saying. I think I think it, I think it depends on form rather yeah. than actual position. If we're seven points outside the relegation zone, we've lost our last six games. Then yeah, he might pull the plug. Mm. Saying that. If we're four points outside the relegation zone, but we won our last three games, then he probably won't. I mean, he'll probably be gone before then if that was the case anyway. Now, what we know is that if he does get rid of him, he ain't going to cost much. He's only got six months left on his contract That's by I mean. Christmas onwards. So it ain't going to cost him a lot of money. I don't get the impression that Pearson and Lansdowne have a particularly close relationship. If you listen to Lansdowne in the past, he's always talked very fondly about Holden and Johnson, even when things weren't going particularly well. Same with Millen as well. Um, you don't see any of that with Pierce, and maybe it's because he's taking a step back. Maybe because he feels like he doesn't need to protect them, protect him like he needed to protect the other guys. But I don't see there being a close relationship. I think a rolling one-year deal is very sensible. Pearson's not in a position to ask for more than that because he wanted the three years. He was given the three years, assuming we finished around mid-table this year. He hasn't achieved what the ultimate goal was, even though he's had a hand tied behind his back. I think Pearson would probably snap your hand off for a rolling one-year contract at the end of this year. At the end um, of the calendar year, yeah. yeah. No, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get it sorted though by January, then you've got to worry, haven't you? You've got to think, well, Lansdowne just letting it, letting the contract run down, and that's it. You know, they're going to put, they're going to part ways. But I don't think 
Pearson's going to be worried about the hassle because he's probably comfortably off independently wealthy because of the, you know, the contracts that, that he's had with other clubs. Um, but you know, that's I, here's I think one, here's that's, one for you. I don't know. What, right, just 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 thought of this and thought of it earlier on today. Here's one for you. Uh, free agents, yeah. Certain Casper Schmeichel's uh, out there, 37, 38 years old. He he idolizes. Uh, Pearson, you know, I know he's said he's left. He's left Nice, has he? He's gone. Yeah. Free agent. I didn't know that. Just simple yeah. yes, no answer, and you know, and he might do it as a favour. Would he be a good addition at this stage of his career, Mark? I think, yeah, on a short-term deal. What? Why not? He's certainly capable at Championship level. I don't know. Last yeah. time he was between the sticks in. Uh, in Liga, uh, in you know the the French first uh, Premier League, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, you know why not? If he became available, yeah, uh, he'd be a good backup for uh, he'd be a good backup for um, for Max, Max, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, I I would say yes, but the the subject to affordability, I mean, there are lots going to be a lot more free agent uh, goalkeepers out there. That are available that won't cost you anything like he will a week, and I just can't see the club paying out unless he wanted to come down and do a real, real favor for Nigel Pearson. That's, if, well, I was hoping he was going to pay us, Ian. That's what that's Lance, the only Steve basis Lance, I'm like. saying that. that. That was literally yeah. the only basis I'm saying that. Finally, from you, Les, I mean, you know, let's let's say Max pulls up against uh, West Brom, does an injury, yeah. He's obviously a go-to person, isn't he? You know, Nigel's got form in bringing back the Leicester, the Leicester crew, uh, and he'd, he'd be that you know experienced goalkeeper that nobody would turn their nose up. Cost apart, of course. Well, I mean, if O'Leary got injured, they need to bring someone in. But otherwise, we keep getting told about the wage budget. Uh, are you telling me Schmeichel's going to uproot his family to Bristol for what? No, I don't think Two. he would. I think he'd live. In, I think he'd live in a hotel for four months. Well, maybe, but I mean, that's, I don't know. That's that's a that's a big favour. Just bear in mind that we we can sign a free agent. That's true, um, but we can't loan anybody because we've got Bajic here, and he's got league experience. So Bajic is the next cab off the rank if the scenario you suggest doesn't happen. And we discussed yeah. this in the pod last week because he's played a set number of league games, not in this country, but in France, he he comes in, you know, you're not allowed to go out and get an emergency keeper. Whereas if, say, Badgett was out on loan and Harvey Walls Richards was on the bench, we would because Harvey's not played, right. I think it's, I think Dave said it was something like five league games. Yeah. So that that's the situation we find ourselves in. But there are other, there will be lots of, Free agents out there. Another Nicky Mempa or something like that. Maybe I'm saying. Yeah, well, and, and it doesn't just apply. Doesn't just apply to goalkeepers. Of I mean, course, but I think a goalkeeper can get up. I think a goalkeeper, uh, uh, a, a free agent goalkeeper, can get up to fitness quicker than a free agent aged striker. Yeah, I mean, Nicky Mempa was a very good goalkeeper, Nick, but he, he had a bad good record. Yeah, Nicky Mempa was. was Tim Close did a reasonable job when he came down here, but that's yeah. quite well. Guys, look, it's time to say. Goodbye. Um, it's been uh, it's it's great to be going into the international break with three points, and it's lifted everybody's spirits. Thanks to everybody who's uh, listening uh, today or during the week. And we're going to have a f week off 
next weekend. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. But then we'll be back with the usual West Brom on a Sunday morning and then uh, the Plymouth game being recorded on the Wednesday morning after it. But uh, Ian, Les and Mark, thanks for your contribution. And everybody, thanks a lot for listening to Forever Bristol City Podcast. All the best for everybody. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Pleasure. Bye. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy. As happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robins are bob, bob, bobbing along. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.